It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no. But angel hair pasta, Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. I feel good. Dad, are you singing to your cereal? Come on, Ava. Silk almond milk. Starts the morning on a high note. <laughs> Silk almond milk. With calcium, vitamins A, D, and E. Feel plenty good. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence. The Knot is where you'll find vendors for every wedding. Floral to fawn over. Cakes you almost don't want to cut. Oh, it looks so good. DJs to drop it to. Venues worthy of your grid. Photographers that make every hour golden hour. Really, vendors for any vibe. With the help of fresh reviews and a few useful filters, you can find your vendors faster than you can say, I do. The Knot Vendor Marketplace. Find vendors for every wedding at thenot.com slash audio. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of the Steelers Burning Question. I'm Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and I hope that you are joining me on a Saturday night, 9.35 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Although I guess there's a part of me that says, I hope you're not joining me on Saturday night. Because, you know, as a father of five, works hard, the kids just went to bed. It's been a day. We'll put it that way. Well, it's been a day. And you know what? It's my turn up to bat. Time to do the burning question. Every Saturday, we rotate, if you didn't know, between myself, Dave Schofield, Lance Williams, and Brian Anthony Davis. Brian Anthony Davis did the show last week, in which case you could go back and check out that, talking about whether the Steelers are still elite or not. My headline is a little different. It's a little different, and I got to give credit to our, I guess we'll say, pseudo-producer, Lance Williams. A big shout out to Lance, my co-host on The Standard is a Standard, as well as The Homer and Hater Show, which will be on air tomorrow around 12 p.m. Eastern time. So a little bit earlier than normal. So make sure you set your alarm and check us out and make sure you subscribe to the channel and set those notifications so that you don't miss a show. But Lance, every now and then, will send, you know, ideas to myself, to Dave, to Brian and everything. And, you know, honestly, it's sometimes he has great ideas. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I'm not talking about that. He gave me one tonight that I originally I said, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. It's too much research and I don't want to do it. But we we talked it through. He talked me off the ledge. And here I am. The burning question Saturday night. Let's get to it. And that is obviously Kevin Colbert's been a very he's been talked about a lot since the uh, scouting combine has been going on. And he was at the podium on Tuesday and talked about everything from Ben Roethlisberger to the, the combine being moved to prime time, all that good stuff. And so the question is, and this is Lance Williams question, but I'm going to, I'm going to say, let's do it. Is Kevin Colbert as good as advertised? Is Kevin Colbert as good as advertised? Think about that for a second before we dive into that, before we delve into that topic. The first thing I want to mention about just, just the general manager role and the general manager title, I view this, this very similar to a coach in the National Football League. In other words, they never get credit, and yet everyone wants to rip them when they don't perform up to what they consider is the standard. And I yes, I used air quotes there for those that are listening in audio platform. Everyone always thinks that they can do it better. Period. I love the fans that want to play, you know, the hindsight is 2020 armchair general manager and look back on, I don't care what year you're talking about the NFL draft. I look back at the 2016 NFL draft and say they could have had this guy, this guy. Yeah. You go throughout their rookie contracts, you see kind of what their overall grand career has been thus far and you it makes sense to look back that way but there are so many players at that time when that pick was made or picks plural were made that no one would have taken that player and then they panned out okay it, i'll give you a perfect example this is the best example 
Antonio Brown didn't get selected until the sixth round. All those teams passed on him all those times. And then in the sixth round, the Steelers took a flyer on this kid from Central Michigan. And he turns out to be, at that time, one of the greatest wide receivers in the game over that five-year stretch or however many years it turned out to be. He's gone off the deep end since then. We know how that story plays out, but it's still about the pick itself. And so this also brings me to my next point about the general manager. And it's very similar, like I said, to the coach. The, the question is, do the coaches coach or do the players play who should get the most credit? So, for instance, if a coach draws up a beautiful scheme and the players go out and they are just running that scheme to perfection and it works, does the coach get all the love or do the players get the love? And the same with the general manager. You know, a six-round pick like Antonio Brown turns into the best wide receiver in the game. Is that on Antonio Brown, or did Kevin Colbert and his staff see something in him? I find it hard to believe if someone says, well, you know, the scouts saw something good in him. He didn't pick him until the sixth round. The same can be said about Tom Brady, who was another six-round draft pick. If the Patriots knew so much about him and loved this guy so much, then why was he weighed, not picked until the sixth round? And so that's what it comes down to. You know, it, are they players that are diamonds in the rough? Are they just able to find those good players? Is it their scouting department that they've put together? Now, let's not forget that. The general manager and head coach as an organization are going to develop a scouting department. If you have a good scouting department, you're going to bring in good talent. So that does factor into Kevin Colbert. The scouting department with the Steelers, I would say, has been pretty good. And then you just have... It's it's just it's a system. I feel like the general manager is a system. It's not just one guy. Nonetheless, everyone's going to associate specific draft picks with one specific guy, and that is the general manager, and that's part of the job. I do want to preface this before I get into the next part of this discussion, that every single general manager, past or present, on any NFL franchise has had bus. Period. Even the guy up north, I'm not talking about Santa Claus, I'm talking about that dreaded you-know-who, Mr. Belichick, Mr. Belichick, as we call him sometimes, has had a ton of bus in his time. So I don't want anyone in the live chat, anyone on audio platform to say, you know what, Colbert stinks, all these other GMs, they, everyone swings and misses. It is part of the job. For every single six-round pick like Antonio Brown that turns into something tremendous, there's a first-round pick that doesn't pan out. That's just the way that it is. The NFL draft is a crapshoot. You try to take the most educated guess that you can, but it is ultimately a crapshoot. And I think if fans were to realize this and have that understanding, and that's asking a lot to have for the fan base to be understanding of a particular position and job, but if they could, I think you would understand that really that you got to give a little bit of leniency and especially especially avoid the knee-jerk reaction. Avoid the knee-jerk reaction. I still remember the fans that said that Troy Polamalu was a bust after one year. He's going to be getting a gold jacket this summer. So think about that, okay? Let's not go ahead and just say right off the bat after a specific draft class, this class stinks. These guys are busts. General manager stinks. Get rid of him now. Mike Tomlin, fire him. Fire Tomlin. Fire Colbert. Hashtags all over the all over Twitter and on Facebook and everything. Please stop doing that. Like we always say, myself, Lance Williams, other hosts on our platform, the earliest, in my opinion, the earliest that you can start to analyze a draft class is at the end of their rookie contracts. Not any sooner. Some people may disagree, and that's that's fine. I've said it a million times on all of our shows. It's you are entitled to your opinion, just like I'm entitled to mine. I just have a microphone in front of me. That's the only difference. So, but let's talk about let's narrow our focus here and talk about Kevin Colbert. Kevin Colbert been with the team a long time, going back with Bill Cowher. They were really good friends. A lot of people thought that Colbert was going to be gone. After after Cowher retired, he was retained by Mike Tomlin and has remained in. In this same position, although he was actually, the Steelers didn't have a general manager for a long time. And then it was, I want to say 
maybe around 2008, 2009, that he actually got the title of general manager. He was, I, I can't even remember the title he used to have, but it wasn't GM. And then they said, okay, let's give him the GM. Okay, so what, I'm going to steal some content here. I don't like doing that, especially websites like The Athletic, which is a subscription site. Big shout out to Lance, gave me his password. <laughs> <laughs> and Ed Bichette, who used to be the Post-Gazette and is now a part of the uh, the Athletic, he did a top 20. Now, Lance referred to this list on his show last night. Yeah, I said it. I encourage everyone out there listening, if you haven't listened to that show, it was really, really well done. And congratulations to Lance's daughter for getting into the school of her choice in college. Kudos to her. I know he's out celebrating, and we're going to talk about that tomorrow, I'm sure, on the Homer and Hater Show. But big shout-out. That's always always exciting as someone that's in education that has been a part of that for a lot of my lacrosse players through the years. It's an exciting time. So kudos to her. But what I wanted to talk about was how do you differentiate good from bad in terms of general managers? Okay. For me, it's, do you hit on the early picks? Do you hit on those rounds one, two, and three? That's to me, those picks that you can say it might not pan out, but it should. You should, you should hit more home runs than you do strike out and swing and miss. Okay, so what Ed Bouchette of The Athletic did is he went and did the top 20 best and top 20 worst draft picks in the Kevin Colbert era. I'm not going to read all 20. Just not going to. I'm just going to do the top five. Let's start off with the, third, the five worst picks in Kevin Colbert's era in the Pittsburgh with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Number five. Ole Miss, Ole Miss cornerback, Sanquez Golson. I remember this pick, and he was a second-rounder, and Sanquez Golson, everyone remembers him for the interception against Alabama, sealed the win for Ole Miss, was great, was awesome, and he just couldn't stay healthy. I don't think that the one caveat here, and if Brian Anthony Davis were on live with me, he would be screaming from the rooftops that this is this guy was actually a good player. He had the potential to be a good player. He just couldn't stay healthy. Lance always says it. You can't make the club from the tub, period. And that was Senquez Golson's time in Pittsburgh. He had all the skill set. It wasn't like a, a pick that, you know, you went out and you're thinking they're going to be good and they stay healthy. They're just not. It was a he couldn't stay healthy. So he was fifth. Then we go to fourth. Another second rounder from the University of Texas, wide receiver, Limus Swede. I've always said that when you're best known, your best three moments of your NFL career were A, that you had an astigmatism, which meant you couldn't see the best, and it wasn't diagnosed until you got to the pros. That'd be one. Number two, drops. And number three, a crushing block against the Ravens. If those are the three things that you're known for the most, you didn't have a very good career. Lima Swede was a bust. Second round pick, couldn't catch the football, had clearly had some issues between the ears. And I'm not saying he wasn't intelligent, but he had some obvious, obvious confidence issues. And that led to on-field issues. So Lima Sweet comes in at four. Number three, I'm shocked that there's not more at this position. We'll get to that in a second. But Ricardo Coakley, he was another one. Just, again, a high draft pick. The Steelers in drafting cornerbacks, Man, just not that great. <laughs> just really not that great. And Coakley's a good example of that. Uh, second on the list of the worst draft picks in Kevin Colbert's era would be none other than former Georgia pass rusher. His Twitter handle is Sackman, or at least it used to be. I would have changed that if I were him. That's none other than Jarvis Jones. Yes, that's the guy that Lance and I call El Busto because, in my opinion, he is the epitome of a bust. Produced in college, questionable health. He had the neck issue. Everyone said, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Don't worry about it, don't worry about it. I don't think it was the neck issue. He just couldn't play. He just couldn't beat the man in front of him, period. So Jarvis Jones, I actually would have flip-flopped these one and two if I were making this list, but hey, Ed Bouchette gets paid a lot of money to give his opinion, so he gets to do the list. Number one on his list was none other than former the University of Miami. That's the U cornerback Artie Burns and Artie Burns is we've he's another one like I said Lima Swede Sanquez Golson couldn't stay healthy Artie Burns didn't have a health issue he just couldn't play 
And the crazy thing about this and why I wouldn't have had him first, I would have had him second, maybe even third, is that there was a time where Artie Burns actually wasn't bad. His second year when he was going up against Antonio Brown every day in training camp, he actually started to play well. There were people, myself included, that actually looked at Artie Burns and said, I'm excited about this kid. I think he could be good. I think he could be the next Ike Taylor. People actually said that. I said that. We were all wrong. Something happened that broke this kid. Mentally broke this kid. And so Artie Burns is the top. But you know what all these have in common? They're all high draft picks. They're all high draft picks. And that's what I said. Good GMs don't swing and miss with those high draft picks, okay? You hit more home runs then you swing and miss. Then you go to the good side. Always finish with the good. Always finish with the good. Okay, so the good side. Now we're talking number five. Ed Bouchette has TJ Watt at number five. There were a lot of people considering the fact that right now we're talking about um, we're talking about the combine. Kevin Colbert's at the combine. Everyone's at the combine. That's all. The combine's on right now. <laughs> I haven't watched a second. Um, TJ Watt's combine pushed him up the the draft board i believe for the steelers and for a lot of teams boy what a godsend he is to get him when they did at the very end of the first round so tj watts number five number four i bet tj watt first round pick keep that in mind four heath miller my goodness could you ask for a better tight end a better teammate a better stealer than heath miller first round pick keep that in mind then we go to number three marquise pouncey say what you will about his rants about the cba Say what you will about his friendship with Aaron Hernandez. Say what you will about his behavior during the melee that was the Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett fiasco on Thursday Night Football. Say all that stuff. Marquise Pouncey is one heck of a football player. Former Florida Gator, first-round pick. Keep that in mind. Number two. Boy, this was tough. If I'm making this list, I'm trying to keep my bias out of it. The two he puts Ben Roethlisberger. I'm, I'll know. I know why he made this switch, and I'll tell you why. And I agree with it. Agree 100. Ben Roethlisberger is number two, and I'm going to go to number one. Number one is Troy Polamalu. Why is Troy Polamalu above Ben Roethlisberger? Because the Steelers made the educated guess to trade up and take Troy Polamalu. They traded with the Kansas City Chiefs. They got up and got Troy. They knew what they had. They knew what they wanted, and they got it. With Ben Roethlisberger, anyone that was alive for that 2004 draft or cognizant enough to remember it knows they got super lucky to get him. Super lucky. You know, everyone says that Bill Cowher, he never had his franchise quarterback. Well, he almost missed out on him because if the, the Cleveland Browns don't take Kellen Winslow, then Ben Roethlisberger's playing in Northeast Ohio for the majority of his career. Now, whether he lasted there or was just another player for the Browns, we'll never know. But the Steelers got lucky getting him in the 11th pick in that 2004 draft. And so because of that, I could see why he puts Troy Polamalu above it. I often wonder, you know, are there any guy? I mean, TJ Watts, the most current player on the list, but is there anyone else that might move up there. I think TJ Watt might move up that list as his career continues. Maybe Devin Bush, even if he continues to play well, we'll see. We'll see. So you put all this together. You take the good, you take the bad, you take the history. Like Mike Adams was on the bad list. We, we all tend to gravitate towards the negative towards those picks that never panned out. And yet we kind of pushed aside that the Cam Haywards, you know, who has taken, almost dead last in that round, that first round. You tend to forget about the Antonio Browns in the sixth round, or it, a lot of people don't forget about AB. He's a great, he was a great player, but you forget about the Kelvin Beachams. You know, you forget about the Chris Hubbards. You forget about the undrafted players that his scouting department is a part of that. His scouting department is a part of getting the BJ Finney's about bringing in Alejandro Villanueva and turning a guy who was supposed to be, who was a college tight end with army goes and serves for our country, comes back. The Eagles want to turn him into a defensive lineman. They take him, turn him into an offensive tackle. Think about that. Think about that. Okay? This is also someone that drafted David DeCastro first overall. All-pro player. It's, it's, it's the good with the bad. Here's the thing. We could have a list of the first-round picks under Kevin Colbert, and I should have probably done this, but I didn't. My apologies. 
we could have had the, the list of the second round picks and the third round picks because that's what I would focus on. One, two, three. Rounds one, two, and three. How are you doing in rounds one, two, and three? And the home runs would would so outweigh the, the, the swing and misses. You know, for every Lima Swede, there's a Le'Veon Bell. You know, for every Sanquez Golson and Mike Adams, there's people like Pouncey, and there's people like Heath Miller, and there's people like TJ Watt, these players that are going to be there for a long time. For me, I think that Kevin Colbert is as good as advertised because, A, not there's not one general manager that's, that can say right now that they're perfect, that they have a perfect track record, period. Okay, B, the guy clearly knows how to draft. And I'm talking about the whole spectrum. Drafting undraft, like, Think about picking up a guy like Mike Hilton. You know, if you want to go into free agent stuff, yeah, he's had some misses. He's had Ladarius Greens. He has Morgan Burnett's. He's had Dante Moncrief's. He also has Steven Adams. I'm sorry, Steven Nelson. Steven Adams. I'm way out of it. He's also had Steven Nelson. He's also had, like I said, Mike Hilton. So let's keep things in perspective. I'm going to say absolutely that Kevin Colbert is as good as advertised. And to be honest with you, if we're talking about advertisements, I don't think that he's advertised as one of the best. That's what's shocking. Every year, I want to say it's the sporting news that does a rankings of head coaches and GMs. And Kevin Colbert sometimes barely cracks the top 10. Of course, Bill Belichick's always number one, even though we all know it. Lance has said it because his brother is a huge Patriot fan, is that the Patriots can't draft a wide receiver to save their life. And yet, for some reason, the Steelers are a wide receiver factory they certainly know how to draft them okay certainly know how to draft them what do you all think watching live in on youtube if you didn't know we had a youtube channel go to youtube search btsc steelers radio you can watch all these shows live with us and be in the live chat i can't stress how cool it is to see the same people like ezra deal with it snowman steeler fan 74 sean manahan all these people that are here right now on saturday night watching this live they're chiming in they're chiming in and they're saying, hey, let's talk some Steelers football. It's February 29th. It's a leap year. Who cares? Let's talk about the Steelers. That's what I love. February 29th. Gravity had a good run, but it's time to feel the weightlessness of the Brooks Glycerin 21. These running shoes feature nitrogen-infused DNA loft V3 cushioning. Brooks has even magnified the plushness to elevate the softness to new levels. And if you want extra support, Find these same features in the Brooks Glycerin GTS 21. Learn more and shop now at brooksrunning.com. That's brooksrunning.com. Shoot, seven shows a week, guys and girls. Seven shows a week we're giving you because we're diehards. We love it. We love it. We love it. We love it. What do you all think about the question, though? The burning question is, in your opinion, and we're all entitled to our own, is Kevin Colbert as good as advertised? Let me know in the live chat. Let me know in the live chat. Bring some of those up. Talk about it a little bit. Uh, Corey brings up a good point. He says, everyone make sure to click the like button on the video. It goes a long way. It really does. Liking and subscribing to our channel. You know, we always say, well, we're shooting for this. We're shooting for that number. Lance said 7,000 by his birthday in June. That's that's a lofty goal, but it's doable. Um, it helps. Everything helps. Very good. So, okay, a couple of people are chiming in. Uh, let's see here. Uh, James Claybaugh is voting yes, that he is as good as advertised. Just Me says he deserves more credit. Uh, North Top says the only knock I have against him is his DB defensive back drafting skills. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Ezra, we love you, Jeff. Love you too, man. Love you too. You guys are diehards. I love it. I love it. Ron Chess, uh, Kevin is as good as advertised. Colbert's batting, let's see here, Colbert's batting 650. I'll take 650 in baseball. Are you serious? That's a Hall of Fame career. Colbert's better than advertised, advertised because he's underrated. That's what Ollie Howard Species 5618 says. Hell yes. He is motive, more motivated than ever this year. Deal with it. Colbert, uh, Colbert is great. I love him. He's always smiling. That's true. That's true. Crazy Chris, the last five to seven years, he's had great picks. Michael O'Malley, Jeff, Kevin Colbert is like a safety blanket. He is as great as advertised. So a lot of people are agreeing with me. It's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked to be honest with you that everyone's agreeing with me because I feel like if I were to say, you know, is Mike Tomlin as good as advertised? There'd be a lot of people that say no. So maybe this is kind of like a delineation between, 
people thinking that Colbert is bringing in the players and the talent. Although let's be honest, I'm pretty sure a head coach like Mike Tomlin's going to be very invested in all of these decisions. You know what I mean? And so I, I guess I feel like, I don't know. I feel like they're one in the same. I kind of feel like they're one in the same, but I feel like there's a delineation between the fan base and Kevin Colbert and with Mike Tomlin. We'll see. Verducci man says maybe the Ed Bouchette article swayed everyone. Well, the Ed, the Ed Bouchette article just stated facts. It wasn't, I mean, his opinion were the top five, but I don't think that too many people would have put made a different top five or a different bottom five. You know what I mean? I mean, Maybe you would have had Lima Sweet up at number two or number one. Or maybe you would have put Cam Hayward instead of TJ Watt. Or, you know, I don't know. But like I said, for every Sanquez Golson, there's a Stefan to it. So for me, I think he's as advertised, as good as advertised. Absolutely. Now, the next part I want to get into this, our producer, Lance, he uh, he's pulling through in the clutch. I always appreciate his support. He sent me this image. Actually, he sent it to myself and to Dave Schofield. And this is really, really interesting. I wish I could share this image with you, um, but I can't. Not at least any way that I know how. And so what he, this discussion was, what was Ben Roethlisberger's best game in his career? That's the question. What was Ben Roethlisberger's best game of his career? And it listed from 2007 to 2018 games where he just went off for one reason or the other. I'm going to read these to you. There's probably about seven or eight games. Okay. I want you to think about these games and then try to decipher which game you felt was the best. Because as I looked at them and I kind of, I've already picked who I, what I game I think would be his best game ever. And there's a reason why, but you might have a different reason. Starts in 07 at Baltimore. I remember this game where he's 13 for 16. 209 yards, very modest numbers, except for, oh, he threw five touchdowns. <laughs> he threw five touchdowns. That was a good one. Add Baltimore. I'll never forget that one. 2009 was a very memorable game for memorable game for me. He was at home versus the Green Bay Packers. 29 of 46, 503 yards, three touchdowns. That's the game where none was more, none was bigger than the third touchdown he threw with no time left to Mike Wallace in the end zone for the win. That game was incredible. He threw the ball 46 times for 503 yards. Then we go to 2011 at home versus the Tennessee Titans. 24 of 34, much more efficient in this game. 228 yards, five touchdowns. Five touchdowns. That's pretty remarkable. Then there was this crazy stretch in 2014, two back-to-back -back home games. First was versus Indianapolis, 40 of 49, 522, six touchdowns. 40, listen to that. 40 of 49, 522, and six touchdowns. Oh, but don't worry, it gets better. Versus Baltimore in 2014. 25 of 37, 340 yards, another six touchdown performance. Another six touchdown performance against the Baltimore Ravens. Not really much to talk about in 2015, but 2016, we all remember this Kansas City game. This game got out of control really quick. Sunday nighter, I believe. Kansas City Chiefs, 22 of 27, very efficient, 300 yards, five touchdowns five touchdowns then in 2017 against the ravens again 44 of 66 506 yards for two touchdowns but threw for 500 yards against the ravens and, and to be honest with you when i looked at this list never in my wildest dreams did i remember him having this many awesome games against the ravens now a lot of people in the live chat right now are bringing up like the the playoff game when the colts this is just statistically best games. Okay. Obviously I think that for, for me, a lot of memories come to mind when I think of Ben Roethlisberger's career in terms of great games, none bigger than super bowl 43 in that final drive. This is just more about stats, his best statistical games. So then we go to 2017 again, against Jacksonville 37 to 58. This is the playoff game. I believe 469 yards and five touchdowns. 
And then 2018 versus Carolina, 22 of 25, 328 yards, five touchdowns. That was the night where he had more touchdowns than he did incomplete passes. So for me, the first thing I did when I was trying to figure this all out, I'm a big, big Ben Roethlisberger fan. Lance will tell you that. Anyone else will tell you that. There's a big fat head in my son's room that I had that put on his wall. Um, I, I've always loved Ben Roethlisberger. Not going to deny that. Not going to hide from that. That is fact. So this is awesome for me. Shoot, which which game do I like the best from the, my favorite Steeler probably of all time? The first thing I looked at, though, was efficiency. I didn't want to see games where he threw the ball 66 times. To me, that's kind of like Kobe Bryant's last game where he shot the ball a million times and ended up with 60 points. It just kind of takes away from it a little bit. It doesn't take away, you know, the magnitude of throwing for 500 yards in a game. But I'm just going to say that for me, I'm looking for more efficiency. So right off the bat, like 2007, 13 of 16, he only threw the ball 16 times. He threw for five touchdowns. That's nuts. Then you go to, uh, you know, like the Green Bay game. He was 29 of 46. That gets thrown out. Tennessee game, 24 of 34. That's pretty efficient. 228, five touchdowns. So that's in the running. Against Indy, 40 of 49. 522 and six touchdowns. He threw the ball 49 times. Like that's still a ton of passes. Baltimore, 25 of 37. Kansas City, 222 of 27. Five touchdowns, as many touchdowns as incomplete passes. Against Baltimore in 2017, he threw 66 times. 2017 against Jacksonville, 58 attempts. Those are too much for me. Those are too much for me. And so it's to me, it's between the Indianapolis game where he was 40 of 49, six touchdowns, 522. That's the best statistical game of his career, in my opinion, because he threw for he was only at nine incompletions. He threw for over 500 yards and he threw for six touchdowns. But for me, the one game that stands out the most is that Carolina game. And that was the Thursday night game, I believe, 22 of 25. Only three incomplete passes. He threw for 328 and still threw for five touchdowns. So you go back to that indie game, he threw it 49 times. So I'm talking about efficiency. Efficiency is great in both games. But that Carolina game, I just remember watching that game thinking, I don't know if I've seen a better Ben Roethlisberger in my life. I remember thinking that, honest to goodness, as I watched it. I've never seen him more efficient. I've never seen him more poised. I've never seen him more literally spot on in terms of reads, in terms of protection, in terms of accuracy. It was phenomenal. Phenomenal. So for me, it's between the Indianapolis game in 2014 and it's between that and the Carolina game in 2018. The Indy game was incredible. That was the game where uh, Antonio Brown caught the touchdown and did the fireman, the slid down the, the pole the flag, the flagpole um, field goal post. Just a, just a touchdown zone from Brian Anthony Davis there. But still, I'm going to say that right now, Michael O'Malley reminds me, just wait, Jeff. He's going to force it. He's going to be a force the next few years. I agree, and I hope you're right. But as of right now, I'm going to go with 2018. And maybe it's because it's just the most recent game. And that's that's very, very possible. Maybe it's just the most recent memory and therefore that's why I'm choosing it. But I'm going to go with that Carolina game in 2018. It was on primetime and man, did he show out only through for 328, only through it 25 times. Talk about efficiency through for five touchdowns. And I actually want to think that he was benched in that game that they took him out at the end. I think it was a, I think it was a bloodbath. I think they might have gotten some backup quarterbacks sometime in that game, but I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But you know in a game like that, because that was a blowout, that they're definitely calling off the dogs in the fourth quarter. So there you go. And uh, Philip, who's agreed with me the whole time in the live chat, says, Jeff, I think every touchdown was a different player too. I think you might be right. I'd have to go back and check, but I think you might be right. Now, if we want to talk about the most memorable Ben Roethlisberger game, just memorable non-playoff game, Ooh, Sean Manahan brings up a good one where he beat Baltimore with a broken nose. I'll never forget. Hello, Dinata. Just there you go. Right in the nose. And by the way, that wasn't called. 
Um, I would say the game against Baltimore, the Immaculate Extension game would have been a memorable one as well. There's been a lot of them. There's been a lot of them. And I think that's the underlying current here. When we talk about this, it's different when you talk about Ben Roethlisberger now. It's not a it's not a situation where you're looking at it as he has a lot of years left. Now, now to me, it comes down to the fact that you're realizing that if that, that sand and that hourglass is coming to a close and it's, it's scary to think about future after Ben, but you just have to appreciate everything that you get. You know, I mean, this year, 2020, if he's able to come back and he's able to be healthy and he's able to play my goodness, folks, enjoy it. Just enjoy it. That's a, that's the only thing I can say. It's the only thing I'm going to do is just enjoy it. Because for me, I saw 2019. We all did. And I remember the the 90s where they bounced around, you know, with different quarterbacks here and there. And I remember what it was like before Ben. And so the Bradshaw to Ben era was not pretty. They made it to a Super Bowl, but it was not pretty. Not at all. So enjoy every second you have with number seven under center. Because like I said, once that sand comes out of that hourglass down to that bottom, it's done. It's done. There's no turning back. So for, for Ben and for even if people that, that don't like Ben that much, you have to understand he gives this team the best chance to win. He gives you the best chance to win right now. And so let's like Lance said, and as I said, and I don't want to steal his thunder. I want you to check out that show. But he definitely was saying that they need to mortgage their future to win now. Win, win now. If you have to make a big trade on draft night and trade away future stock to move up in the first, because there might be a playmaker out there that you know could put this team over the top, then you do it. Because you don't know how much longer you have. And so, yeah, you could save that stock, and you could say, okay, we're just going to trust and rest on our laurels. But you know what? When it, When it all comes down to it, if you don't have a quarterback in the NFL or going to win to me, I don't think that the 2000 Ravens can do that anymore. I don't think that, I don't think that exists anymore where you have a defense. that's so dominant that you can go out there with a Trent Dilfer and win a super bowl. I just don't think it's possible in today's game, not with the rules the way that they are. So you have to have a quarterback. So unless you think that Mason Rudolph is the guy and just needs time, I don't think anyone's thinking that Devlin Hodges is the guy, but there you go. There you go. So, hey, we have a few minutes left. I'll give you guys a couple minutes. Let's answer some questions. If you're watching live on YouTube, go ahead and fire away in the live chat. If you want to use a super chat feature, which is going to highlight your question, it's going to guarantee that I answer your question like Philip did here. All you have to do is click that little money sign at the bottom of the comment bar. Donate any amount of money. goes straight to the show. It's how we do things like get these upgraded microphones, get you better sound quality, and hopefully make it a better product, period. And do giveaways. We're going to be doing giveaways this year as well, so make sure you check that out. All right, Philip put $5 in the tip jar. He says, Jeff, without getting into it too much, what position do you take to best help Ben in the second round, not including O-line? It's a wide receiver. It's a wide receiver. Wide receiver or tight end. But if you're going to get a tight end, let me be clear that that tight end better be athletic. He better be athletic. If you draft a blocker, I'm going to be more than pissed off. I want a guy that's going to be able to stretch the field, it's going to be able to take advantage of those, whether it's an, a linebacker or whether it's a slot cornerback, abuse that matchup. That's what they need. So you're either going to go with a wide receiver that has speed, that's going to take the top off of defense, because I don't think they have that even with everyone healthy. Can Juju Smith-Schuster run, run a fly route? Yes. Can uh, Deontay Johnson go deep? Yes. Are they someone that can actually scare a defense to back off? No. I'll say that again. No. Some might say, well, there's Deion Kane. Well, you had Darius Hayward Bay, and if you don't have any threat of catching the football, it doesn't matter. Now, Deion Kane was not asked to do much. I like him. I hope he sticks around. I just don't think he's that guy. This wide receiver class is ridiculous in this up upcoming draft. And so I'm saying that the Steelers need to take a wide receiver or a tight end in the second round. I know I'm going to be yelled at. And tomorrow, that's actually going to be the title and the headline of Lance's Homer and Hater show. We are going to discuss and debate and yell at each other probably about 
this very topic, and that is, plain and simple, what position should they target early in the draft? So there you go. There you go. I think they go with an offensive playmaker because the defense seems to be fine. There's, To me, there's only depth positions. Only depth positions. Snowman puts $2 in the tip jar. Thank you, Snow. You're always a unbelievable supporter of the show and the platform. How many 500-yard games did Ben have? I don't have all his stats with me. Um, I can just look at that one image that Lance sent me. Let me do that quickly and give you a quick summation here. Of these games that I listed earlier, one, two, three were 500-yard games. I'm not sure if he's ever had a 500-yard game and lost. Now at Top Golf, you get half off golf Monday through Wednesday when you book in the app. It could be any Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Like this Monday, next Tuesday, and the following Wednesday. Or maybe this Wednesday, next Tuesday, and the Monday after that. Basically, any Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday is a good day, as long as you spend it at Top Golf. It's golf. It's half off. It's half off golf. Monday through Wednesday when you book in the app for a limited time only. So download the Top Golf app, book a bay, and come play around. Restrictions and exclusions may apply. Visit topgolf.com slash halfoffgolf for details. Do you know what my MC Light Out the Door Get Ready routine was missing? Deodorants that were made specifically for me and my skin. Introducing new Shea Moisture deodorants made especially for rich melanin skin. New Shea Moisture antiperspirant deodorants for underarms restore moisture, even skin tone, smooth and protect against sweat and odor for 48 hours. And new Shea Moisture whole body deodorants with plant-based ingredients and no aluminum. To protect beyond, freshen around, down, under, and wherever you might want to control odor. All over, all day. Shea Moisture deodorants go on invisibly and are black dermatologist and or gynecologist approved. My skin deserves this. How about yours? Living in my rich melanin and protecting it too. I'm going to have to do some digging. And what that means is that Dave Schofield is going to have to do some digging. And we'll talk about that in future shows. So there you go. Phil puts two more dollars in the live chat and says, look up Albert O, Jalen Rager, and KJ Hamler. I know that Jalen Rager is the name that pops off the screen because he had a meeting with the Steelers this week. I think that's the Missouri tight end, I believe. I did a little bit of research on him. Guys, in case I'm not Dave bashing Michael Malley, he just knows how to find those stats better than I do. For me, this is when I start to focus on players for the Steelers, period. Because I I hate just watching college football thinking, well, that guy looks great. I'll never forget watching Calvin Johnson play at Georgia Tech and be like, boy, he'd look great in a Steeler uniform. There's no chance that he's going to be in a Steeler uniform, period. So I like to wait, and then I see things like, okay, who they have interviews with in the combine? Okay, this is like, okay, we're, we're at our first stepping stone. Then from there, okay, who do they go and meet with at pro days? Hmm. Now we are going to get a little bit closer, second stepping stone. Who do they have for their official combine visits? Oh, my gosh. Now we're really narrowing our focus as to who they're looking for, what position they're looking for, and now I can really start to do some homework. So for those of you that are wondering, like, hey, what does Jeff think? Who should he go after? Um and I'm sorry that Rager uh, is a TCU wide receiver, so my bad. Again, I don't know these people. I don't know these players yet. As they get closer, that's when I get more involved and get more invested. But right now, it's still the evaluation process. You know, th- who the Steelers meet with at the combine really doesn't mean jack squat. Period. Uh, they're just getting their, they're just putting their feelers out and getting a feel for some of the prospects that they might be impressed with. And they're meeting with people informally and then formal visits. And it can be crazy because they're meeting a ton of players. And so the only time, and I write this in every article that I write about who the Steelers met with at the combine is that these are only reported based on players that say, yes, I met with the Steelers or yes, I'm going to meet with the Steelers or I informally talked with the Steelers. If they don't say that, we don't know about it because the Steelers are not making this knowledge public. If anything, they probably hate the fact that players will say that because they don't want anyone to know anything about their plans, period. So I don't, I, you know, it's it's still early in the game for me and for the Steelers. So we'll see. Michael O'Malley says, I am super excited about this draft more than usual. I don't know why. 
Lance Williams is the same exact way and he hates the draft. I'm telling you, I've done this. I've Lance is a very good friend of mine for those that might not know, you know, um, we, we communicate regularly outside of our shows. We've been doing shows together now for like six or seven years. Trust me. We know each other pretty well. When you talk for hours on end about the Steelers in life on your podcast, he hates the draft. I mean, I've, we used to take off seasons off because Lance hated anything that had to do with the off season. He didn't care about free agency unless they actually got someone. He didn't care about the draft. He'd always say, just tell me who they pick and then we'll talk about it. He's excited about this draft. Maybe it's because he's actually having to talk about it. I'm <laughs> making him talk about it in the off season. I don't know. Maybe that's it. Well, but he it's also, he talked about it a little bit last week where he said, you know, they don't have as many picks as normal. And so he wants to see what Colbert can do. So there's a little bit of intrigue there. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I don't know. So, um, let's hear Ron Chess says, Jeff, it's okay. Who they meet at the combine means squat. You're right. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Going through some of these areas. Sealer fan of 74 says today, Jeff, do you think we should trade future draft capital and move up in, the, in this draft? Um, you know, I think that if they did that, I wouldn't be upset. We'll put it that way. It's got to be the right prospect. You don't trade up in the first round just because you want to get a first round pick. You have to go up because there's that one guy, that one guy that you think can put you over the top. If there is that one guy, then you make that move and you do what you have to. If there's not that one guy there, then you don't ever think about it. Just stay put, stay put. Don't worry about anything because honestly, there's enough talent in the second round. We've seen it before. People forget that Le'Veon Bell was a second round pick. Juju Smith-Schuster was a second round pick. Stefan too, it's a second round pick. I could go on. So there's a lot of value in the second round. Let's not forget that. Let's not forget that. Crazy Chris says, uh, what would Hunter Henry or a Hunter Henry type of tight end have on this team? Hunter Henry is athletic and he has some speed to him and some, uh, athletic prowess people. I never, when I see Vance McDonald, I don't think athlete and that sounds horrible after I say that I regret saying that, <laughs> but he does, he doesn't scream athlete. When I think of athletic tight ends, I think of guys like Tony Gonzalez. I think of guys like even Antonio Gates. I think of a Rob Gronkowski before is the back injuries and everything else. Those are the type of players that I look for when I think of athleticism. And I can't think of a tight end because Heath Miller didn't scream athlete either. Heck of a football player. No one's denying that. But he just didn't scream athlete. I think the last tight end the Steelers have had that screamed athlete well, A, Ladarius Green would have fit that mold if he could have stayed healthy, but he didn't, so he won't play. But I was have to, you'd have to go back to Eric Green as the last time I felt the Steelers had an athlete at tight end. That's what I want because if you can get someone that's an athletic tight end that can run the seam, take on those cornerbacks or take on those safeties, it is going to change everything with the Steelers' offense. Everything. Everything. It's going to open up so much more on the outside. It's going to even help with the run game. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. That's just exactly what I think. I think that it's going to completely change the offense if they can do that. Someone said George Kittle. Exactly. Perfect example. Perfect example. Uh, even Travis Kelsey, if you think about the Super Bowl matchup between the Chiefs and the 49ers. Phillip puts another $2 in the tip chart. He says, like Lance said, Morgan's the future for the present. Yes, sometimes you have to. I... I I liken this to the NHL and the Pittsburgh Penguins. They realize what they have with Sidney Crosby. They realize what they have with Evgeny Malkin, this nucleus of players that are getting older. And they say, you know what? Why do we care about the 2022 first round pick? We need to win right now. So we're going to, we'll trade it away. Who cares? Take it, take that pick. Now the NHL is different. Very rarely do you get a first round pick that comes right into the league. Just like in baseball, you get a first round pick. Very rarely are they in the show. They normally start in high double, high single A or double A, and then they work their way up. It takes them a few years. The NFL, when you're a first round pick, you have to perform in some way, shape, or form. In some way, shape, or form. You have to perform. Like Devin Bush, hey, good job. You played. You played a lot. Played well, I thought. You did a lot. So that was good. But there you go. <laughs> it's here. 
Uh, Bando Brando says, I like how you left out the most athletic tight end, Shannon Sharp, because he's a hater. I honestly didn't even think about Shannon Sharp. I'm just trying to rattle off tight ends that come to mind. Ezra says, Eric Green, come on, Jefferson. We passed on Emmett for that sorry tight end. Hey, Eric Green was an athletic tight end. I'm not talking about who they could have had. I'm saying he was an athletic tight end. Ron says, Jeff, you're right. Vance looks stiff, tight end. What tape, uh, how he gives up on plays. Ooh, boy, that's, that's some damning stuff there when you talk about giving up on plays. Yikes. Um, Dallas says, I think that Vinette, Nick Vinette could be a tight end number one. I don't know. I and mean, he says, free up some money for McDonald. They, they have to make a decision on McDonald and his uh, club option coming up soon. But on top of that, I'm not sure if Vinette's a number one. I'm not sure. I'm not sold on that at all. I think Vinette could be a good number two. Don't think that he's a number one, but that's just me. That is just me. So, okay. Snowman says, if you do trade into the first round, who do you grab? I don't know. <laughs> I try to be as real with you all as possible. And so for me, I don't follow the draft that much. I, I do, but I told you the stepping stones that I take, and this is just the first stepping stone. So I don't have any names in mind because the moment I would say someone there, people would be like, huh, well, Jeff's an idiot. That guy's going to be gone in the top 10. What's he talking about? Exactly. I don't know what I'm talking about, so I'm not going to make a fool out of myself. We'll put it that way. So, okay. Um, going to call it a show. We're about the 45 minute mark. I like to keep it at that, about that length. Thank you all, all 66 or more of you that, ch that chimed in at some way, sometime during the show, please like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you haven't before seven podcasts a week tomorrow, myself, Lance Williams will be on around 12 PM Eastern standard time for the Homer and hater show. He wants to call it the Homer and the hater, the Homer and the hater. I like the Homer and hater show. I don't know what you all think. We need to make a decision before the season starts. He likes THTH. I just like the Homer and Hater. I don't need to abbreviate anything. But tomorrow we'll be on. So there you go. Um, and then Monday we'll be back to the normal schedule with Brian Anthony Davis and Tony Defio. We appreciate all of you. And hey, you know what? If you're going through some tough times right now, it's going to get better. Trust me, it will. Just like the Steelers are going to be better this year. Have a great Saturday night. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow for another Homer and Hater show. Have a good one.